0: Hello, and welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu Gi Oh podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of the original Toei Yu Gi Oh anime, along with uh, plenty of other Yu Gi Oh related things along the way. Uh, I'm Ellie. And I'm Jenny. Uh, Before we do anything, I have to um, come with an update on the meme lore that we were (laughs) talking about. That, girl um, I'm teleporting <laughs> yes girl I'm teleporting which it, it, this is you know in the it was not the previous not the episode that um, was published immediately before this but the one before that because um we actually record these two at a time but so our last recording session I said that I was trying to think of a meme that was like girl I'm teleporting and then of course about Half an hour after we stopped recording, I then remembered the meme, which actually has nothing in common with how I described it, other than the fact that it contains the word teleport. <laughs> we'll post it with the episode, but a uh, swing and a miss. <laughs> the the meme that I was thinking of is one from, about a, uh, from a while ago that I saw on Twitter. It's just a picture of a sort of hovering, like incandescent light being, and then it says, haters will see you teleport and be like he can't afford a car (laughs) and that was what i was thinking of and somehow my brain turned that into
1: girl i'm teleporting (laughs) which is sad because girl i'm teleporting is obviously catchier but the first one has has probably the strongest energy also a little a little almost more relevant to the episodes if you think about it like if you view kaiba as the hater he's viewing Mm. yugi teleporting everywhere playing his shadow games and going like huh well, he can't afford a car.
0: <laughs> you can't afford a rare card. <laughs> H- haters will see you initiate a shadow game and be like, he can't afford a blue-eyes white dragon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, if I had any Photoshop skills, I would immediately be attempting to to create that. But I'll do it. I'll do it.
0: <laughs> You'll see. Do we have anything else that we wanted to mention before we get into the episode? Any other... Um, I feel like we should... We should Mention like if we've watched other TV shows or other just
1: random stuff going on in our lives. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm attempting to uh, going through classic shonen that I missed over the years. Yeah, yeah. So Hunter Hunter, watching Hunter Hunter, which I'm loving so far. I'm also attempting to finally get into One Piece. Um, we have one mutual friend, Maxie, who's been trying to get me into One Piece for years. But uh, and I, I'm I'm yeah. watching it while working. Like it's my, it's basically my podcast equivalent, and like I'm fully into Hunter Hunter. I'm still kind of struggling with One Piece. Like, yeah, uh, the pros of One Piece are that every episode is like, okay, this might as well just happen, and it's just absolutely buck wild. But then the cons of One Piece is that every episode is like, okay, this might as well happen, <laughs> and so it's kind of hard for me to grasp. I've been told that it gets better, but unfortunately, I'm, I'm it's like the equivalent of like, oh, just wait like fifty episodes and it gets really good. It's like me trying to convince people to watch Yu Gi Oh GX. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, the first two seasons, like you have to watch them, but like don't worry, it's it they're bad, but just don't they have some good moments, but. I th- I think One Piece is like my I I always have like media like this where it's like I can watch it I just have to multitask and Hunter Hunter is like mm-hmm. I'm really into it. Uh uh-uh. So that's what I've been up to. What about you?
0: Yeah, well, honestly, kind of the same because I was also um have recent somewhat recently started reading One Piece. Yeah. Oh, this is completely this isn't media related, but um I did Uh, make get a an appointment to get the COVID vaccine. So by the time this goes out, I will have be living in a fully vaccinated household and be past that hurdle of our lives.
1: Yeah. Wait. What's when are you getting your vaccine? This coming Tuesday, as of when we're recording this. Oh, you're gonna beat me. I'm next
0: Thursday. But then, yeah. Media-wise, yeah, one also kind of poking my way away uh, at One Piece a little bit at a time, and kind of with the same vibes as you, where I'm like, I'm into it, but I'm not that into it. But but I'm also on volume sixteen and like still reading it, so I guess I might as well just keep going.
1: It's hard because like they're like the characters are genuinely insanely lovable, but there's just something about the plot that doesn't hook me quite totally. But I will say the the huge. Huge pro is like the characters uh, are all great, super fun. I'm just like the most like plebeian person when it comes to anime. Like watching the dub version of things will always get me to finish stuff. Because like like multitask <laughs> and do things during it. And if I'm really into That's it. That's completely fair. But like Hunter Hunter was is good enough for me that I'm literally like reading as I go reading along I,
0: in the manga right I'm like reading
1: along yeah. I'm like super excited uh, of course I'm choosing I'm getting way more into the one that's like more or less discontinued but you know fuck me I guess <laughs> yeah I'm
0: the opposite way around where I'm like I just read the manga because it for almost everything and then if I like it enough then I'll go and watch the anime as well because I'm always like yeah but I could get through this amount of stuff in like the same amount of time Mm -hmm. or I could get through so much more stuff in the same amount of time if I was reading it instead of watching and I get impatient and don't focus but yeah so I have to like really love something which is to watch it which is I mean that's part of why um you know my elegantly uh, segue back into what we're actually going to be talking about like that's part of why I hadn't seen um there's a lot of Oh that I hadn't actually seen just because I've read the manga so many times and I haven't I never like bothered to just track down the anime because I was like well I've already read this and uh so this episode that we're talking about today is um and the next one is one of my favorite uh, chapters of the early manga so I'm pretty excited to kind of get into it and they they barely even changed anything so that's a plus so well. good
1: so good For they didn't me. need
0: to they knew they started yeah old. it was already good <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, we are talking about episode 5 of Yu-Gi-Oh. Um the title is uh Now Exposed: Yugi's Secret. And um oh, I forgot to pull up the air date. One second. Oh, it's May 2nd, 1998. I've got it up. Okay. It was aired on May 2nd, 1998. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, It's based on chapters 13 and 14 of the Yu-Gi-Oh! manga, which are called uh, The Man from Egypt, uh, Part 1 and Part 2. All right, so uh, we open with this monologue that I think is the same monologue from the first episode about how you can trace the history of games 5,000 years back to ancient Egypt. Uh, That is playing over the video of a plane coming into an airport, I guess, in Japan. And then a man emerges um, from that plane and is going down the moving walkway at the airport while perfectly balancing a scale in one hand in front of him, which I don't think I could do. It just seems like he's got a really good, uh, you know, balance skills. But uh, yeah, he is um, an Egyptian man who is orange eyes, who's he's wearing kind of like traditional like Egyptian robes. And um, I did have the thought in my head, I was like, I wonder how you bring a Millennium item through airport security. And then I was like, oh, wait, this was before airport security was like actually a big (laughs)
1: deal in the world. You honestly, too, even there, like he just has his scales, you know, he has his little scales. I I I feel like you could actually get away with that as a carry on Mm -hmm. item nowadays. Not going to lie.
0: So then we cut to the school domino city high or whatever it's called domino high school um the squad are hanging around on their desks and anzu is showing everybody a newspaper article which explains that uh, egyptologists recently discovered a new tomb in the egyptian valley of the kings and that all of the artifacts that they found in the tomb are
1: going to be put on display at the domino city museum I will say one thing I loved about the newspaper clipping is that the one of the the, like slightly younger archaeologists is just like throwing this very cutesy little peace sign. He's like this (laughs) forty year old bearded guy who's just like,
0: (laughs) hey, over
1: the tomb. (laughs) Very good energy.
0: Yeah, pretty good. He, that's that, that. You're right. That is good energy, and you know that it's good energy because he's hanging out with Grandpa, with Yugi's Grandpa in the picture, and mm-hmm. Yugi explains like, "Oh, my Grandpa is friends with the archaeologists who discovered this tomb." Yugi's buds remember that uh, he. They're like, "Oh yeah, he, your Millennium Puzzle was also an ancient Egyptian artifact from a tomb, right?" And Yugi, um, he does say what was translated in the subtitles I have as my good old Millennium Puzzle, which I thought was very cute. (laughs) And he's like, oh yeah, it was. And then um, Anzu's like, oh, and all of the archaeologists who found the Millennium Puzzle died mysterious deaths or something, right? (laughs) And then Jinochi starts flipping out because he's like, Yuki, you aren't cursed. (laughs) And then this, this is the beginning of this very good running joke in this episode about Genochi being very scared of spooky things
1: he's the smartest that's true it's, it's, it's his
0: street smarts
1: street <laughs> smarts it's because he was right he's correct about everything <laughs> and he's right about this <laughs> I just think it's very cute that he's like very scared of ghosts <laughs> <laughs> troubling that he's best friends with a goth but you know opposites, <laughs> attract. opposites really do attract I guess I thought you were going to say
0: troubling that his best friend is possessed by a ghost. (laughs) I guess that's also true. But they don't know that yet. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) So um, Honda says that there's going to be a mummy at the exhibit. Yeah, Joe gets scared and he's like denying that he's scared of the mummies. And then Honda's like, hmm. People are scared of mummies. And then he goes into an imagination zone where he pictures Miho getting scared of a mummy and being and jumping into his arms like, Honda, please protect me. Also, in this imagination vision, the mummy that is frightening Miho is like like has its arms extended is walking towards them like in a horror movie so i'm not exactly sure what he's picturing for this scenario like why the mummy is going to be alive and coming at them
1: when he'll be able to protect he's you only know. seen the universal studio studio's mummy and it's like all mummies just be like that <laughs> wouldn't
0: it be crazy imagine if you went to a museum
1: and they were like we have an ancient egyptian mummy and then they had like posed it like it was coming at you like in a horror <laughs> oh i thought you're gonna <laughs> go like with the root of modern technology technology, we should give all mummies like electronic spines and let them like walk around the museum and interact with people. This is why I should have gotten my museum studies degree. I would have had like the sickest museums. I would have been like, yeah, the mummies do walk around. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's totally ethical and uh, reasonable way to treat you. Hey, uh, I'd I'd like to think I follow the trend of the archaeologists from these next two episodes uh, in terms of having horrible practices. (laughs) Yeah, horrible archaeological practices. At least mine are fun. (laughs) Like, are they unethical and damaging? Yes. Are they fun? Also, yes. yes. So they
0: decide to go to the museum later that day and then um they meet up every they all meet up there all the friends and they meet up with yui's grandpa and he introduces them to the archaeologist professor yoshimori and then the professor also introduces them to the museum owner whose name is Mr. Kanakura and he is kind of sketchy. Also Shadi, uh, um, the man from the opening, the Mysterious Scales is watching them mysteriously from the bushes but they don't notice that. <laughs> um, so Yoshimori gets pretty excited about uh, Yugi's Millennium Puzzle or actually, sorry, Kanakura, the museum owner gets excited about the puzzle and is like, please uh, let me borrow it to put it up on display in the museum with the rest of the Ancient Egyptian artifacts and Yugi is like oh man like I don't want to be separated from the puzzle but he agrees to do it for only one day and like okay I will say Mr. Kanakura is sketchy but if we're talking about like bad archaeological practices I can't think about this too hard because if I do I'm like it's kind of hard to side with Yugi here because Ignoring all of the stuff that we actually know about how it has dark magic and was destined to come to him and stuff, it is a 3,000 year old Egyptian artifact that you're just walking around with every day. I mean, like <laughs> and <I'm> Professor like...
1: <laughs> moro said, technically that should belong to the Egyptian state. Like, they never clarify why it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's weird.
0: It's very weird. So basically, he agrees. So he's like, okay, just for one day. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, I forgot to mention um, also earlier that when they were talking about like, are you cursed or not? um, Yugi does think to himself, he says, Oh, of course, I'm not cursed. My puzzle isn't cursed. But then he's like, but ever since I completed the puzzle, occasionally I
1: black out and I lose my memory for a little while. So. He honestly doesn't seem as nervous about that as he should. I'm glad that he's kind of like recognizing it, but he's like, hmm, I have like stretches of time where there's no memory, and then my problems just resolve themselves. So that's normal. Concerning.
0: Yeah. So they're um they're looking at all of the artifacts in the museum. Uh, Miho sees a fancy necklace, and she gets really hyped about it. Money on her mind all the time. I noticed this necklace, something triggered in my mind, and I was like, that looks weirdly familiar. And then I spent a little while on Google image search, and I ended up finding the actual ancient Egyptian artifact that they, like, based the drawing of this off of. So mm-hmm. I'll put a link to that. It's in the cool. in the show notes, but it is based on, like, a real artifact A lot of the background stuff in this, it is based on real Egyptian artifacts. I noticed um, a statue, and I was like, "That's a statue." I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen that statue before. I think it's a statue of Akhenaten, although I didn't bother to Google this one. But it has that like look. See, I'm telling you, Takahashi
1: really liked his his Egyptian stuff. That's what elevates this beyond other card game anime. Is he? He put in the time. He, he was actually into it. Yeah,
0: there's like real information about ancient Egypt in this. <laughs> it's mostly fairly accurate. Like <laughs> once you strip away the fantasy elements, it's not really there's most of it is like pretty much true. So both Genochi and Yugi. Which it's particularly surprises me for Yugi. Both of them seem to think that archaeologists get to just keep everything they find and are like treasure hunters. And then they have a an educational moment where Yo- uh, Professor Yoshimori is like, "No, we don't. <laughs> it goes to the um, <laughs> it goes to the it belongs to the c- countries. You know, the antiquities are not just it's not like a free for all treasure hunting expedition." And then um, mm-hmm. Grandpa says you get you could say that archaeologists get paid in romance rather than money. So okay, academia really screws everyone over. Yeah, he says archaeology is a badly paid profession, and I was like oof. <laughs> so they start looking at stuff. They go, um, they see a p- paper that is a uh, parchment from the Egyptian Book of the Dead that shows the judgment of the dead, which is when like you die, your soul is put on trial. Uh, before the afterlife I don't know I just mostly I just thought these were some really cool shots of um they're nice uh because they don't have to actually be animated they're you know like background images all these statues
1: and stuff and they look kind of pretty mm-hmm. like the animation in this episode well painted yeah similar to a lot of the like really cool backgrounds from previous episodes just like well painted and since they're still shots they don't have to worry uh I mean we'll see especially next episode sometimes this anime struggles when it has to do like uh quote unquote action scenes or like yeah. moments <laughs> uh but in in terms of like really nice still shots there's a lot of really good and i think yeah, i totally agree a lot of the museum stuff is Yeah is the backgrounds are really well yeah, done really cool.
0: Stuff. Anzu and Miho go look at the mummy and i <laughs> love, love this scene. <laughs> scene. So um Honda is like yes, i am prepared. Miho jump into my arms, but then instead Are you scared? But then instead, Miho is like, it's so cute. And then she says, (laughs) its head is smooth like a (laughs) baby about this ancient mummy. And Anzu responds with (laughs) what I think is a very reasonable response. How can you possibly feel like that?
1: (laughs) That's so funny because the subs I use said its face is so wrinkly like a fat baby. Which I also was was equally confusing in the opposite way. Basically, there's just no way this shriveled ass mummy could look like a baby. I was like, what kind of fucking babies are you looking at? This is <laughs> Miho's a freak. She has weird mummy <laughs>
0: opinions. So Hanna was like prepared for um, M- Miho to jump into his arms, so he's sitting out with his arms open, and then he looks down, and he realizes that Junochi has jumped into his arms instead, and is like, "Oh, it's scary! And then he's like, why are you <laughs> holding me? I did love this. This is- this is food for a ship, Honda, and Junochi. I- <laughs> unnecessary hug scene. I don't think this is in the manga. I'm not going to do a like full on, I might not do a full on manga comparison for this one because I'm pretty sure like literally almost nothing changes at all. Like it's al- almost exactly the same except for a couple of really minor differences and obviously the presence of Miho in the story. What happens afterwards, uh yeah, the other kids move on, but Yugi stays behind to keep looking at the mummy and then um the mysterious Egyptian man Uh, comes up behind him and he looks- uh, is also looking at the mummy and then he starts crying but not in a way where he's like actually you know expressing himself it's- there's just tears immediately start pouring down out of his eyes. I think this would make a pretty good reaction, Jif.
1: My, my uh quote, little quote that I wrote for this was, bro, I am crying in this museum when faced with the specter of death, because that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> it is kind of what's happening. He's and then he says
0: that he's not crying for himself. These are the tears of the Pharaoh. So he's basically like, I formed an empathic connection with this, the mummy of this Pharaoh who is um must live on and he doesn't get to be you know properly buried or whatever what for self for whatever reason he's like i'm not these aren't my tears i cry for the pharaoh it made me think of like uh the lorax when he's like i'm the lorax who speak for the trees. the trees <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it reminded me this is like this is so barely related but i just have a story about this which is that when i was in fourth grade We all watched the lorax and then there was this kid in my class who um then when the lorax is like i am the lorax i speak for the trees because the trees cannot speak or whatever he got really into that and then he's just it became just a meme in our fourth grade class to quote that and like when it basically whenever the teacher would do something to an inanimate object we would like react as though we were like the teacher would be like tapping on a clipboard, and then he would be like acting like uh ah, and then he would be like, "I'm the Lorax. I speak for the clipboards." And it was just this. <laughs> and for some reason, oh, I think that's... about this a lot. I don't know. <laughs> This is just one of those random childhood memories
1: that like stuck in my brain forever, and I and I think about it all the time. Wait, if Shadi's the Lorex in this situation, would Yugi be the Onceler? Oh no! And then Yami would be sexy evil. Once-ler? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying
0: is puzzle shipping is just that the Onceler AU shipping that everybody was doing on Tumblr
1: in 2013 when Onceler was just being shipped with himself. That's exactly what I'm oh, saying. Oh no. <laughs> This is
0: cursed knowledge.
1: <laughs> I
0: apologize to anybody who's listening to this who didn't who wasn't on Tumblr in 2014 and doesn't know what we're talking about. You're better off not knowing.
1: Yeah, actually, don't look it up. We actively encourage you not to engage with this content. Normally, we're all about bettering yourself, learning more, better love you. internet culture. <laughs> this, is, this will just make you wish that the internet was nuked off the planet, <sighs> you know? Every day we stray further from God's land. Oh God. And that God is Anubis. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Anubis. Yeah. <laughs> Yugi
0: seems to be, you know, feeling
1: a little empathetic as well
0: towards the mummy. And um, Shadi uh, pats Yugi on the head and says, you're a nice little boy. The animators experience a deep internal struggle about what it would look like if someone put their hands on top of Yugi's hair, but they sort of work out how to draw it. <laughs> It's very funny. It's kind of like his his hand goes in between two of the five spikes of Yugi's hair and just goes there and they go a little bit to the side. It's like this. You can feel that he's like, I didn't anticipate this when I designed this character. Uh, Yugi. Oh, and also Yugi's like, I'm not little. I'm in high school. Then we see um, Yugi's puzzle is on display at the other end of the museum. And uh, Kanakura, the museum owner, is looking at the puzzle with uh, some antiques dealer who I think is supposed to be American because he has a big nose and he says Mr. Kanakura in English instead of like when we've been calling him Mr. Kanakura because that's what the subtitles say, but they were saying like
1: Kanakura. American or British. I mean, the British are notorious for stealing things for their true. So let's let's not pile on the Americans too much. Yeah.
0: Mm hmm yeah if he was that's true maybe if he was american he'd probably be blonde and have an american flag on his head
1: (laughs) american flag and it would say dude he would say dude (laughs) mr dude
0: (laughs) western antiques dealer the english-speaking antiques dealer is um he wants to buy the puzzle and he's like oh yeah i'll give you and is like, oh, yes, I'm going to get so much money So from this puzzle that I took from this kid that I guess they're never going to be able to prove wasn't mine to sell or something. Um, so the kids are done and they head out of the museum. Meanwhile, inside in what I guess is, you know, the director's office, uh, Kanakura is sitting around. He's thinking about how he's going to make money off the puzzle. Oh, wait, um. I'm skipping back a little bit, but I forgot to mention that also before they leave, Anzu's like, let's take a picture and I took a screenshot because the picture that they take is so cute, where they're posing next Mm -hmm. to the Millennium Puzzle. Um, Yugi and Honda are both doing peace signs and then Genoshi is just pointing at the puzzle, like, look! (laughs) And they're all hyped about the fact that um, their friend's puzzle is famous and is in the museum.
1: It's very cute. (laughs) Truly a group photo with the puzzle in there. They don't even know it, but Yabi's in the photo.
0: No Good for them. Yeah. So while well, Conacher is hanging out in his office thinking about how he's gonna make so much money by stealing this kid's puzzle, um, the American yes. buyer uh knocks on the door, but then suddenly all the lights turn off in this office, and then when the door opens, the guy just sort of falls through down onto the floor. I don't know if he's dead or passed out or what, but instead the Egyptian man walks through. Um, he is holding his the scales, and he has, um, I haven't mentioned that besides the scales, he also has a key around his neck, and that both of those have the um, Eye of Horus symbol that's the same as the one that is on uh, Yugi's Millennium Puzzle. He's like, you're a greedy person, and he says that he is um, yeah, a follower of Anubis from a clan of tomb guardians that have existed for 3,000 years. Hell yeah. And then, Hell yeah. Okay, also... I want to, this is a bit of a sidebar, but today I realized that I had been under a misconception about the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime the, and like fandom for a very long time, and then I realized where it came oh. from. So I want to just talk about this. So for a very, very long time, I had thought that in the original version of the series, they say that the Millennium Puzzle was made- 3000 years ago. And that four kids in the English dub had changed it to say it was made 5000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why would you change that? That's so dumb. But because that was just sort of a conception that I had in my mind. But then I realized today watching these episodes based on what they say, that here's the problem. And here is why it is not because the dub changed anything. Here is why some people think that the puzzle was made 5,000 years ago, like, why that's a fandom misconception, is because at the beginning of this episode, and then also at the beginning of, like, episode one of Duel Monsters, they say, the history of games stretches back 5,000 years to ancient Egypt, which is true, I think. They're talking about, like, the first
1: ever board game being found mm-hmm. or something like that. But not, like, the reign of the pharaoh that yeah, actually, no- like, most of Yu-Gi-Oh is... Yeah. Directly centered around. Yes,
0: that's that's three thousand years ago. That's three thousand years ago. Ah. Mm -hmm. Which makes so and makes sense. And I'm like, okay, so that actually clicked into place. It's not that there was any mistranslation in the English or whatever, it's that the fact that people, it's the fact that in this scene that was played, like, at the beginning of many episodes before the opening and stuff like that, they say this phrase 5,000 years, and then that made people think that it was 5,000 years ago that the pharaoh was... It was just a mystery that was solved in my mind that I never realized I was wrong about. And I just thought I should explain it. <laughs> I mean, had you had have you, have you also encountered that? Like, people arguing yeah, I'd about also whether or not he was pharaoh 3,000 or 5,000 years ago?
1: Yeah, and luckily I don't know shit. Like, if it's before modern history, it's all, like back in the day to me so honestly i didn't really care like honestly i was the kind of person just be like ten thousand years ago i don't give a shit like it's one of those things where i'm like oh it's even farther back from cleopatra my favorite (laughs) uh egyptian milf uh i i i have heard it but i wasn't particularly invested but Mm -hmm. it is good to have some i just honestly assumed i didn't even realize it's like a fandom misconception i just assumed that like either takahashi himself or the animators or dub Four kids or whatever had just been inconsistent, which would not be entirely out of character. Yeah, me too. Um, like that's what I so thought. So it's good to it's good no, to I actually see that there's a reason for that.
0: Well, anyways, uh, where were we? Uh, yes, this man says that he is from a clan of tomb guardians, which existed for three thousand years, and that he he says um, you know about the scene of the final judgment in the Book of the Dead, uh, and that Kanakurin's kind of soul is going to be tested. Um, this is the the judgment of the soul is that your heart is weighed against the feather of truth and um, if your heart weighs more than the feather or if your sins weigh more than the feather then you will be devoured by Amit the devourer all of this is baller yes it is baller <laughs> I was gonna say all of this is basically like true to like what is actually described in the Egyptian book of the Dead, like.
1: Real lore. <laughs> so cool. Also love how this is like love how so far Yami's shadow shadow games have been like sort of skill or like game based. And this one is just don't fucking lie. You yeah. Idiot. <laughs> this one is just can you be a good person? And then this guy well, not necessarily cannot. a good person. It's about being a liar, which I thought is interesting. Well, actually, hmm. wait, is it it's kind of both, isn't it? Well, I don't know because I mean, let's, let's go into what happens and then we can discuss. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. what would
0: happen if he had been like, yeah, I would have fucking killed them.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is the classic, this is my classic shadow game thing. Is like, if it's just like with Yami, it's like, if you played the rules of the game properly, would he let you off? With Shadi, I'm not sure what he would have done. I mean, also because I think the original point of the Book of the Dead, remembering my Egyptology phase, like, or the point of this judgment wasn't like to root out liars it was literally like we you weighed your heart and like your yeah, exactly. sins or whatever the equivalent was would weigh you down so maybe he just did the lie to like kind of dunk on him and be like not only are you a bad person but you're gonna pretend you're not a bad person yeah I
0: think the I feel like the lie thing is is sort of like what makes it a game oh, okay it has mm-hmm. to be sort
1: of game because then lie.
0: that then there's a choice but yeah so he he opens a shadow game and he there's this feather white feather that's kind of sticking out of his turban and then he basically just goes up and and he just goes up and takes it and then that's the feather of truth I guess it's weird because later when he puts the feather back on his head it doesn't seem like there's any sort of attachment it seems like it just hovers there (laughs) but yeah so he puts the feather down and he says that um You have to just answer these questions truthfully and it will weigh your soul. So the first question is, um, a little girl falls into the well. You're the only one who saw it happen. And she dropped a shiny golden ring on the ground um, before she fell. And what will you do? And kind of Corey's like, obviously I saved the girl. And then the empty side of the scale goes down that his sins weigh more than the feather honestly the
1: him. stupidest shit about this is like the obvious answer is you t- pocket the ring and then save the girl and then be like no I didn't see a ring anywhere like, <laughs> Jenny figuring out how to game the system Shadi's standing in front of you and the scales are like wiggling back and forth and he's like this one is true neutral <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly I get sent to um, the equivalent of Egyptian purgatory this guy is just a piece of shit cuz he he's not smart enough to come up with that obvious solution and you know actually you know this guy's a bastard because he probably will was literally like well I can't have any evidence of my crime so I will let that child die (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) meanwhile around this time we see Yugi waiting outside the museum so after everybody else went home he was like I'm gonna stick around and wait until they're done with my puzzle and then go back and get it so he was just I guess the museum must be walking distance from his house so he's like oh it's about five minutes until I am supposed to the museum exhibit is supposed to close so I might as well just go back in and um, go looking for him and see if I can get my puzzle back inside then um, Kanakara is like, I'm not lying, I'm not lying, blah blah blah. And then, um, and then Shani says that you know I'm gonna explain what the penalty game for this is, and it's that um, there is a monster within your heart, and there's a. We get this very very cool sequence where the chair that Kanakara is sitting on turns into this big purple monster creature, which he says is Amut, the Devourer, which will eat your soul. If you're a sinner, like we see, like it's drool dripping, dripping down onto his head and stuff. It's very creepy. And then the last question that he is supposed to answer is, is, um, have you violated the Valley of the Kings and taken away, um, treasures from the pharaoh's tombs and f- to satisfy your own greed? And then he says he tries to say, yeah, uh, no, but then he has, of course. So the Ammit, the Devourer kind of cuts away as it consumed. basically it like bites down and, and eats him so yeah the shadow game is over he puts the feather back on his head and then as he's about to sort of walk away like job done I have uh, fed this man to his soul demon then mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he sees the millennium puzzle on the desk he's like oh shoot no one's ever been able to solve the puzzle but it's been put together that's the millennium puzzle ah so Yugi's wandering around the man in the robe is looking for Yugi and holding the puzzle, and Yugi sees that he's the, wearing the puzzle, and he's like, oh, uh, it's my puzzle, and then um, confirms to him that he's the person who solved it. I did think they they, they sort of cut away at this point, and then they
1: show uh, Kanakura like, in his office, still alive, which I so disappointed was i know. really hoping he had been decapitated by that beast i know i was like the... what do you mean he's not dead it would have been fun if they just like left it
0: vague yeah i'm pretty sure you do not see him again in the manga so that is an anime added uh choice to be like oh yeah i mean you know his he got eaten his brain got eaten by a monster that lives in his soul that was the final judgment for the afterlife but he's just sort of uh chilling
1: yeah Mm -hmm. he definitely does die in the manga so that's that's an alteration (laughs) oh one last thing too uh so during some of these shots uh, this whole episode the length of shoddy's eyeliner like going like near his nose bridge fluctuates wildly i did not notice that there's one shot where he's talking to yugi like and it's like a profile shot of him where literally it looks like the eyeliner is going like all the way down um to his nose um (laughs) like on the like inner parts of his eye it's Mm -hmm. bananas oh my gosh I didn't notice that
0: at all like it's like all the way down Uh, at at, at a certain point his eyes glow I did notice that (laughs) but I didn't notice the um eyeliner changing (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. pretty fun yeah so he's saying to himself that um the one who solves the Millennium Puzzle will gain the power of darkness, and then he says that's the same power that my clan of Tomb Guardians has. Is thinking this to himself, which the is Shadow interesting. Game. Yes, this power to initiate Shadow Games takes the uh, key, the Onk, off of his chest, and he says that he's going to look inside Yugi's mind. It's interesting. It is definitely shaped like an Onk, um, and but I've always heard it called the Millennium Key. But then in the subtitles of this episode, um, my subtitles were calling it the Millennium Ankh, which so that was that was different
1: and new to me. It's a Millennium key for me, but and I mean he uses it like a key, so to me it's always the Millennium. It's key.
0: like an Ankh.
1: It's 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 basically shaped like an Ankh, but it also has a key style sort of thing coming out of the side. I mean, to me, like that's like calling the Millennium Puzzle the Millennium Pyramid. Like it mm-hmm. looks like a pyramid, but like its functions as a puzzle. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, so like the key, I mean, like he uses it to unlock people's minds. It's like he, yeah, it's definitely it a, key. a key. It's a key. It yeah. So
0: possible. he puts the Millennium Key on Yugi's forehead, and he basically puts it, you know, put it on, puts His it on the rhythm. forehead, and turns it again as though he's unlocking a door, and that sort of sends him into Yugi's mind.
1: Welcome to my twisted mind. <laughs> Except in in Yugi's case, he has the opposite of the twisted mind. He has a pure and innocent soul because he's a gamer. Yes, because he has a a pure gamer soul. Proving that gamers are actually the purest of us all. (laughs) More pro-gamer propaganda. Isn't that this whole show? (laughs) (laughs) Pro-gaming propaganda? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like part of it's like, if you are a gamer... Uh, you will be bullied once a week uh, and get the shit beat out of you. But your um, heart is pure. <laughs> your heart is pure and you will be able to wreak vengeance through dark magic. So I feel like it's kind of a toss up, honestly. Um, so yeah, so he's like, this kid has two souls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. There's this pure one and then there's this other room with an ominous eye on it. He pushes the door open. Which they decide to animate this, I think you mentioned this earlier, but they decided to animate this as just like, literally just taking this still shot of this door and close up and then doing a sort of CGI, like motion, like rotation effect on it. So instead of him actually walking through the door, you just see this like picture rotate, and then it's open. I thought that was very, which I thought was very funny. (laughs) Surprise! Yami Yugi is just chilling in there inside of the soul room. So uh, this is where he goes when he is not the one that's out and possessing him. I guess the man apologizes for um, entering his soul room and then says that he's here to test the power of the Millennium Puzzle. He explains that that the Millennium Puzzle had rested in the pharaoh grave of the pharaoh had like been held in the grave of the pharaoh for three thousand years to punish thieves mm-hmm. who would steal the treasures from the tomb oh he also says that it is one of the millennium items and that he also has two millennium items both the millennium scales and the millennium key um his millennium key can open the door to your soul room which he has already done his millennium scales can weigh the judgment of your soul but he does not know what the power of the puzzle is basically because nobody's ever been able to solve it and he's like so it may have a
1: special power And I was like, does it? (laughs) No, it just has a cool ghost, pretty much. I know, (laughs) right? (laughs) No, that's, I mean, it's a pretty good power for, like, a normie. But honestly, actually, if you really think about it, uh, compared to the other Millennium powers, I mean, the Millennium Rod, which we'll see in the future, literally mind controls people. Yeah, I'm like, we need to keep a watch on this, but, like, (laughs) can
0: the Millennium Puzzle do anything other than let you cheat at a card game if you believe in yourself <laughs> like yeah <laughs> but also is I'm that curious. just the heart of the
1: cards <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think it can let you do shadow games like all millennium but items they, can they allow can you all to they engage. all let
0: you initiate a shadow well game, that's what right? i'm saying
1: is it lets you do shadow games it has a cool ghost is its extra oh okay i think the advantage is you're always gonna win the shadow game because you've got the king of games as your ghost yeah i know it's like it's basically like a more advanced version of not only do you get the ability to play the game but you get a free uh free win card for everything a free buddy who's always going to win who the plot mandates that you will win free free pharaoh ghost, free to a good home someone please Mm -hmm. adopt him and take him home exactly
0: um can I just say, this episode had me the whole time, This ep- during while I was watching this, I was just like, I love Yami Yugi, <laughs> he's so good, <laughs> I love him, I don't have anything to say beyond that, I was just big fangirl hours, I was like, I love this character, he's so fun, everything he does is cool and good. <laughs> <laughs> this episode really brought that on me, I was like, yes, I love to see him do things. Oh my gosh. Okay, where were we? Yes, so Yami basically says, I'll show you the power of the Millennium Puzzle if uh, you play a game with me. Oh, and he does say, you know the routine, it's time for a game, which I love. He was like, look, you know what anime we exist in? (laughs) We have to make this a game. Nobody can settle anything in any other way in this series. It true, has to be
1: self-aware king.
0: <laughs> you, I lo- you love to see somebody who's in, who knows what genre they're in. So um, he, he explains that somewhere inside of the soul of his true soul room. And basically he puts Shadi into a kind of MC Escher-esque uh, staircase maze with a crap ton of doors. And then he has to run around opening the doors and seeing and trying to find the true soul room and um the doors have sort of cartoon we like cartoon traps inside them like the first one he <laughs> oh, opens
1: some very good ones a boulder i the think first, the, one yeah, I the first yeah the first one he opens is like a giant weight falls down from the <laughs> ceiling and he has to <laughs> jump <Boing. away. laughs> it's literally like I love how like he's got yami's like here's my ominous death maze and it's like welcome to my twisted mind, mind. <laughs> and it's like survive my various looney tunes-esque traps tee hee hee yeah <laughs> the first sign that he might not be as evil as we think he is
0: <laughs> one of them is just some water <laughs> pours out one of them and then the last one is like fire and you do see Shadi gets like set on fire and then goes tumbling down the stairs in an extremely funny shot where he's like bouncing but then the fire just disappears and he's fine because these are all illusion traps anyways (laughs) so Mm -hmm. final and he sort of closes his eyes and concentrates and then his forehead glows and then he's like i found the correct room so i'm not really sure what's up with that or how he did that but he does he finds the correct room um he opens the door he sees yami sitting inside on a sort of throne like you know carved and hieroglyphs type uh throne thing and then he opens the door and yami says yo <laughs> which i <laughs> love
1: very good casual just like you know he kind of so, ran that through a while and then was like all right i'm gonna play it cool he and he just does chilling. he gets
0: away with it he was just chilling in there and playing it cool but then mm-hmm. wait there was one more trap uh, the floor falls out from underneath him, dangling off. He's clinging to the bricks of the floor, and he's thinking that if he falls, he'll, he will be trapped, like, inside of the shadows in this young boy's heart forever, and he will never be able to leave. But then Yami, standing in front of him, kneels down and offers him his hand to pull him up, and he says, it's okay, my hand isn't a trap. Brings him up, and then he's basically like, um... Hey, uh, you should stop going into people's minds with your magic eye.
1: I wonder if Shadi will take that lesson to heart. Hmm. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around and find out. He won't. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> say, oh, and
0: I, I think it was funny that he, um, I did take a screenshot of this line. The line was, I don't like your hobby of peeking into other people's souls. <laughs> it's not a good yami with the hobby shaming god get a new hobby it's not it's just not a good hobby hobby. get a new hobby and then we get back sort of to the real world jenny is he's kneeling on the ground on the floor of the museum in front of yugi and he's like i thought i was going to test this boy's soul but instead i was the one who was tested and he's like all sweaty and panting a real reverse uno Mm -hmm. hit him with it you know, reverse card, you know, the regular Yugi, not Yami, is like, uh, hey, uh, mister, are you okay? You look kind of freaked out. And he doesn't know what's going on. He says, I was something like, I I now owe something to the other you. And Yugi's like, what? <laughs> other me? What are you talking about? And then that's when Yami realizes this kid doesn't know that he has this uh, other personality, this other soul inside him.
1: <laughs> Yugi's like,
0: what a fucking weirdo. (laughs) So uh, we're just starting to build up to, like,
1: when will Yugi eventually find out that he... Well, then he says something kind of interesting where he says he says oh we're definitely going to meet again when the two become one. So like basically it seems like he's setting up for this arc that when the two become one. That was what that was what was in my I don't sense.
0: remember that. I want to I almost want to ch- I want to check like the subtitles I have and see if I can find that line. Well, I was very I intrigued wonder-
1: by that because it it seems to imply that it was like oh are they going for like this arc of like Yugi's going to like grow more to be like yummy. Which we'll see both kind of yeah. happens and then also kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting line. Yeah. I you mean, it could really also just mean up.
0: like when they learn to work together, which definitely yes. does happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just thought cool. that was a very interesting line. But yeah. Shoddy giving his name to somebody for the first time as well. Lonely mm-hmm. ass dude
0: yeah yeah he
1: says he says
0: his name is Shoddy, which i was trying to sort of keep it uh ambiguous but then i definitely we just definitely kept saying Shoddy anyways so it doesn't really matter yeah. um <laughs> yeah so in my okay yeah in mine um that was that line was translated as when these two sides of him join forces the power of the millennium puzzle will be awakened so that makes it sound more like it just means like when they learn to work together rather than it being some sort of mystical thing but uh, yeah uh-huh yeah. So he says, my name is Shadi. And then he says, this is the first time I've ever told anyone my name. <laughs> and then Yugi just thinks to himself, what a weird guy. As He's walking Sad. away. I love how Yugi just takes everything in stride, you know, like, this man comes up to him, just kneels down on the floor sweating and talking about how he has another soul. And then he's like, I've never told anyone my name before, but it's Shadi. And Yugi's like, okay, I guess I'll just, this might as well happen. <laughs>
1: He really does embrace it. He's just like, it's been a weird day, but I've got the puzzle back. And that's what matters. Honestly, I think he's way more concerned about the fact that Shadi called him like a little boy and like cute Mm -hmm. rather than uh, the fact that he was like saying some weird we'll meet again on the battlefield type stuff he was more like hey did you just call me short or like (laughs) classic teenage boy priorities
0: yeah totally oh yeah and then shoddy does think to himself like i need to there's something else i need to do and he says i need to continue testing this boy so clearly setting up that this is not the last we have
1: seen of Mm shoddy we're about to see him again and he's about to uh embarrass himself that's all i'll say
0: shoddy does continue to pop up throughout this series in moments when you might be like, oh, we're just doing
1: stuff with Shadi again. (laughs) Uh, And if you are like, what are his motivations? What does he want? Doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Don't ask us. (laughs) We'll keep an eye on this as we go on. But Shadi is just, I mean, I'm not gonna get into it too much, but Shadi is just like a notoriously confusing character. My ambition is that by the end of this podcast, which will be basically like the... 10th time i've gone through the entire Yu-Gi-Oh! story in my life then maybe i'll finally understand shoddy
1: <laughs> bold i i'm not making that claim i'm gonna bet against that but uh i think we'll only more questions than answers but
0: five years you know six years from now when we watch dark side of dimensions we'll check back in <laughs> and see whether or not we finally get it
1: <laughs> i think that's just gonna confuse us more but i personally can't wait I will say even though shoddy is baffling, he tends to bring some of my favorite stuff because the ancient Egypt stuff is just always the best, even when it's not like super coherent. And especially later when it gets very card game heavy, it's a really nice break from like the constant dueling. So, all right. Well, yeah, you might have heard from this episode. It's like shoddy seems like a cool dude. Um, next episode we'll see him destroy a lot of that goodwill in a truly chaotic way that ironically does make me love him more, but uh so true some true, some, some truly baffling uh, bafflingly hostile shit about to come from this man. And you know what? Good for him. <laughs> Good
0: for him. Oh my gosh. Okay, do you want to uh, wrap up with some voice actor fun facts? I Always. think I have some if you'll give me a second. I don't have like one that would be sort of thematic so do you want to do um well I, I have uh, Anzu and Honda and Miho voice actor facts.
1: Let's do Miho because this is a great Miho episode we can do. Yeah there were with, some yeah.
0: really yeah some really funny Miho scenes. In so I would say I
1: think there's only like one actual what I would call a Miho episode and it's not for quite a while. Alright, so um, Miho,
0: Miho Nosaka, her voice actor's name is Yukana, just like all one name. Her full name is Yukana Nogami, but she went by first name only, like, professionally, And uh, she was born in 1975. And um, here's just a cool like story from her past. It said that when she was a small child, she had like a really severe illness and was told that she might die before the age of 10, but then she lived. And then she said later that that was part of what influenced her to become a voice actor was because she was like, I want to do something where um, I'll be remembered. Like even after I die, like I'll have like a mark on the world where people can go back and see something I've done, which I thought was like kind of cool. And um, she debuted as an anime voice actor uh, when she was only 17 in an OVA series that I had never heard of that's called Moldiver, but it's apparently it's like a parody of superhero and magical girl shows. And she played the main character and also sang the opening theme song because she's also a singer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So some of her other roles, um, she hasn't had a whole lot of roles late, like recently, but she had some in the 90s and early 2000s besides this she was in um have you seen have you heard of Wedding Peach I've not no it's a it's a magical girl show that's a little bit like Sailor Moon ripoff ask but it's sort of magical girls that are wedding themed and um she was she's one of the main girls who is Wedding Lily in Wedding Peach mm. um she's in Cardcaptor Sakura as
1: uh Mei Ling oh okay yeah that's um The girl who's into Cardcaptor Sakura's boyfriend who does karate. Yeah. Uh, Cardcaptor's boyfriend also does karate,
0: but she okay, does. Sauron, isn't she? I thought she isn't she like his cousin. Okay, so I totally never... forgot what his
1: name was, was. Literally about to call him Sauron. <laughs> Sauron, <laughs> it's it's Sauron. Cardcaptor oh, Sakura is dating the giant eye that watches over Middle Earth. <laughs> oh, good for her! Honestly, <laughs> she can change him.
0: If you told me that that's something that happened in um the like sequel to Subasa, I would believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows with Clamp these
1: days? <laughs> true, true.
0: Yeah, no, it's Mei Ling. She's an anime-only character, and I've never actually watched the anime of that, of Cardcaptor Sakura. I've only seen, I've only read the manga, so I don't actually know. Mm-hmm. But I thought she was, like, his cousin, because they have the same last name. Well... I mean, maybe she's his cousin and also wants to date him.
1: Uh, listeners, it, write in and uh, tell us what's it, going on in Cardcaptor Soccer. I was going to say, I feel like Clamp would definitely. Clamp not is have not problems. above cousin fucking in any way, shape, or form.
0: But Tomoyo is Sakura's cousin and she's in love with her, so <laughs> There's a lot of weird shit
1: in card capture. Oh my god,
0: okay, yeah. And so then some of the other roles. Real quick, um, she was in Inuyasha as a uh, Kana, a character that I did not remember, but who was listed as like being in multiple movies. So I was like, that's probably a major character. That's isn't Kana the old lady? Uh, who's like their friend? Kana, Kana, the god of nothingness, was the first incarnation of Naraku, created with the only purpose to destroy Tessaiga. I'm just okay. No, she's like
1: a late. I'm amateur. reading the Inuyasha wiki. She's literally, uh, if you've seen Death Note, she's the like the Nero type character of Inuyasha, a very so aesthetic, like the Nero. If you've seen Death Note, she's like Nero. Uh, near, near. Oh my God! Wait, who who's Nero? I don't know, like the Roman Emperor? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were like, I don't remember Roman Emperor being in Death Note. That's my favorite part of Death Note. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mir from Death Note. She's like a small kid, all white, kind of like emotionless and weird, not very well liked, but shows up a lot. I don't care about her as a character, though.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. And so then, and then her other roles, the other roles I have here. So she's in um, Chobits. So another clamp thing as um, Kotoko, who is the little mini uh, dark haired Chobit that that one guy has, but um, she was in the original Pretty Cure, which Pretty Cure is like a huge magical girl franchise, but so she was Cure White. She was one of the two main characters in the original Pretty Cure. She was in Bleach as, um, Isane as Kotetsu, who is kind of one of the a minor Soul Reaper character, and then her most famous role is um, C2 or the the main the green haired girl in uh, Code Geass. She was also in Free as somebody's mom. bunch of interesting side characters, very prolific career. Yeah, a lot of like magical girl type stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yep, that's Mihos voice actor, and uh, those are
1: my fun facts. All right. Well, join us next episode for some great shenanigans caused by our (laughs) pal, Shadi. This next episode's got everything. It's got, you know, ropes, breaking statues, the power (sighs) of friendship. Classic UU episode, some great moments. Uh, Very excited to talk through it. Thanks for listening to Battle
0: City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at Battle City Broad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com.